Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombus donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com/acast code acast. Let me see. I'm John Verhoven, and I've worked as a cop. I was in forensics. I was in the air wing, world class, and I was a New South Wales firefighter, top shelf. Have I have I left anything out? No, that's all I did. Oh wait. When my dad and mum were exhausted from too much death, destruction, and adventure after years in the emergency services, they did something totally normal. They decided to run a funeral home. In this season of Loose Units, you'll find out what it was like to grow up with parents who ran an actual funeral home, prepared bodies, dealt with grieving families, and who confronted death on a daily basis. It'll be harrowing, thrilling, and loose. Welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Every week my dad, who used to be a cop and a firefighter and a forensics guy, and a whole bunch of other stuff and myself sit down and go through dad's incredible incredible true stories and this season well this season was all about the fact that dad ran a funeral home for many many years and of course part of the thing that's been a bit weird over the past few weeks is that we've been building up this narrative going through how dad got the job and through some of his I, I hesitate to use the word cases, Dad, because they're not actually cases. But you're, you know, the, the, the. I don't want to call them gigs either. I don't know what they are. Clients, I guess. But it's a very strange, confronting journey. And we were starting off down this road, and then as, as our beautiful, beautiful listeners across the world will know, less than a week ago, your father, my grandfather, passed away. And last episode was the day before. The funeral, and I'm treading very carefully here because obviously it's it's still very fresh for you. But uh, I I don't know how else to say this, Dad. How did the funeral go? Well, um, I don't mean well as in well, I was I was saying well then comma yeah not well as in well. <laughs> we put him in a well. well that's weird because if we were right? to talk about actually that's a bit spooky because if I was to talk about wells, mm-hmm. they're deep down. And you yep. could technically, that has a bit of an inference about burial, doesn't it? Sure. You, you ever, they, they, you ever um, deal with any crimes where people have been chucked down wells? Paul, you don't chuck people down wells. Do you lob? Do you piff? Well, it would probably be a two-man lift. Oh, you couldn't do it by yourself? Mm, if they were light. All right. But anyway, what was the question? The question was, oh, how did it go? How'd the funeral go? Well, it was good. As far as funerals go, sure. The weird thing about this particular funeral is that, I mean, my the the sense of uh, 
I mean, I was stressed to the max. So I was supposed to be the strong one. So in terms of, I mean, how far, look, how about, oh God, this conversation will go everywhere, but as custom would have it, so there's my my parents, but when one of your parents passes away, Mm. historically speaking, perhaps we might say, is that the eldest sibling? Sits, yeah, I, would, I, I mean, I would say so. When when you and and or mum like if if you pass away, I would I would like to think I'd be driving things a little bit, you know. Mm. Just, just, so just I sat next to my mum. So mum, yeah. What the listeners need to realise, uh, well, they don't need to realise, but I'll tell them is that it was a requiem mass, which means oh. a full mass. There yep. were two priests. Um, so in terms of uh, the Catholic ritual, it was a fairly. Uh, Fairly decent production. Sorry, when you say full mass, I was—I always assumed that a funeral was its own thing, right? Like a, you know, like a truncated thing. Like if you're getting it married, is. yeah. But if you're getting married, you can have the, you know, just the ceremony with none of the kind of attached things. There's no, like, for example, my wedding to Tegan in Paris was ten people, and it went for about fifteen minutes, mm, right? Whereas. Mm. Now, are you saying that this was a full-length 45-minute mass? Yeah, it went for over an hour. Jeez, okay. With, with, with all the, the readings, uh, a little sermon. Yep, yep. Um, and I guess a lot of people, when they go into that environment, if they're not familiar with the, you know, the order of service, mm. it would be like going to a, uh, to a synagogue or a mosque and not knowing or a fundamentalist Christian church. Or a Hindu, or a Buddhist. Hang on. I mean, I've you... been to some Buddhist uh, occasions in Thailand. Yes, they, I have. They can go for days. Well, for example, um, my brother Mark married his wife Pla in Thailand. The, the wedding went for what? Three days. Three days, and there were nine monks. Which is uh, which is I mean, it's, crazy. It's a big production. It's amazing. But okay, what you're saying is that people could go to church. Just go to church. It's a regular. It's a regular mass. They're just trying to get their wafer and you know do their thing on a Sunday, or whenever it happens to be. But you're saying that they could get there and not realize that exactly. it's also a funeral. Ah uh, no. Oh, oh, hang on. No, they they don't do a mass. They generally don't do a funeral. Do you know I mean, what I'm saying? You're you're saying a funeral that takes the place of a regular mass at a designated time. Let's say, for example, in a church at a 9 a.m. Sunday service mm-hmm. every week of the year. Yep. They would not, at least I'm not aware of a situation where they would then turn that into um, sort of a combination funeral right. slash mass. Okay, so if you go to like a baseball game and the big camera sweeps across the crowd and suddenly someone proposes... It's not like you planned on being there for an for an engagement party, but it, it may kind of turn into that. What you're saying is that they are two... I'm sorry for that terrible metaphor. Uh, what I'm saying is that there are two discrete things happening. You're not going to get members of the public invited to this mass. No, but the, here, now here's an interesting point. Yeah. If you were a person and you didn't have many friends yeah. and family, and if you wanted to be really clever... Uh, and I'm not saying you as in the deceased me. because oh. you don't have any control over this. Mm. But if your spouse or a family member or a friend wanted to create the illusion that you're incredibly popular. At your funeral, yeah. What they could do, and this is pretty clever, you would choose a mass. This is in the in the Catholic or perhaps Anglican Presbyterian uh, sort of, you know, service. Mm. If you're really cunning, 
you could organise for the funeral to be held. Let's say Mass finished at um, 9.30, 9.45. That's yep. a weekday Mass. Mm-hmm. You could then organise for the service to start at 10. So you would invariably have some people that go to the regular Mass because um, there are what are called daily churchgoers. Yeah, yeah. And um, some of those people may or may not have heard of the deceased, but they might think, you know what, I might just hang in for another 40 minutes. Do you know how depressing this is? It sounds like a music festival where if you perform after one of the big groups, you may get some like residual Correct. crowds there. Well, if it was stormy outside, imagine, and you wanted to seek, like, keep dry, mm-hmm. there would be another excuse to right, stay a bit longer. You could always, you know, petition the God of Thunder, you know, the Norse God of Thunder, Thor, to create a storm to trap people in. But at that point, you're kind of dabbling in two religions, which I believe is frowned upon. And, you know, thou shalt not suffer false hmm. idols. Okay, hmm. so talk me through the day, because obviously I right. couldn't, Tegan and I couldn't get over there no. because of COVID. We were trapped in hmm. Victoria. And here's, here's something for listeners to note. And dad, you know this. The, the second we heard that grandpa was going to pass away and that it was going to be happening pretty soon. Once we processed all the emotional stuff, we had a bit of a chat and we thought, okay, so we're going to go down. We can't fly down because of COVID, but we can drive. Mm. Technically but Paul, before you, before you go on, it's not down. When you're in Melbourne, you come up to Sydney. I don't think you do. I think culturally you come down. Well, when <laughs> so- we go to Melbourne, we go down to Melbourne. And yeah. if we were in Melbourne and we were going back to Sydney, we'd be coming back up to we have this, dad we have this discussion every three episodes and mm. people like like if I people just... would if this was a drinking game people would be maggoted right now but listen what i'm trying to say is we we were going to drive but we had to call the covid hotline and we said hey listen um my grandfather's passed like he's, he's going to pass away and we might need to go to the funeral and they said look you can apply for special dispensation to get led across under bereavement you know circumstances mm. yeah but but you would have to be in quarantine for two weeks when you got there and by the time the like the, that quarantine would still be going, like I would, I, we would have flown down, driven down, sorry, and we wouldn't have been able to actually go. We'd be trapped in a hotel room, thereby rendering it moot. So I wanted to go. Um, I wanted to be there. I, I called Grandma, and she said, "Look, it's a very, very small, intimate affair. Anyway, don't stress. It's all good. You know, we've got this." Um, so I would be really curious, as were the listeners, I assume. Um, if you're up for it, for kind of talking us through yep. the day, like because okay. I've never I've never been to a funeral, so I don't know what the beginning to the end of the day is like. Hmm. All right, well I'll talk you through it. Great. The service was set to commence at 10 a.m. Yep. Oh, hang on a sec. No, it was 11. Isn't that weird? It was 11 a.m. It was last Friday. Uh huh. I rocked up at 10:30. Yes. My request to um, the funeral organization called Wilson Family Funerals, who, might I add, and uh, they don't advertise with us, um, but if I was to recommend a funeral home, at least in Sydney, they are phenomenal, and I've had a lot to do with the funeral industry, as you know. Oh, great. Um, and they, they were mind-blowing. Okay. So they, my request to them was that they have everything set up prior to anyone arriving, and I didn't really want my mum to see the mechanics at the beginning of how they get the coffin out of the hearse. Right. My request was that they put it onto a very robust 
stainless steel trolley with four wheels Mm -hmm. and they wheel it down to the foot of the altar. I had chosen the floral arrangement. I chose Australian natives because Dad was an incredibly keen and voracious gardener. So we had all the beautiful, the banksias and, you know, the the wattle and the gum. It was really fantastic. That's the Uh casket cover. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I rocked up, uh, the body, my dad in the coffin, was actually down, uh, ready to go um, in preparation for the service. Uh, one of your cousins got a beautiful photograph of my father. Is that a bit weird? Uh, I mean, look, I doubt I would be handling it particularly well, but how, how were you um, with the fact that there was a coffin there with... I was... I hate... Look, I don't like to sound um, hard because I'm not... Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I watched um, The Hobbit last night and cried. It was a, because, it's it, so, because it's so mediocre? Paul, sacrilege what you just said then. It's fucking I not. You, it's I a, hope you're joking. It's no, it's the, it, it's the oh. critical consensus that it oh, shouldn't I could have been a rat's ass about the critical consensus. You know what? I'm glad. I'm actually... I'm I, Look, all... all and I love aside. escapism. So. Yeah. I, and now's Dad, a great I'm, time to... Escape. Dad, I'm very happy that you like what you like. I think that's really lovely. Yeah. But okay. Um, all nine so, and a half hours of it. For the record, Dad, there is a there is a fan edit that edits it down to a single feature film. Apparently, it's a bit of zero a- interest. I like I like the torturous version. Yeah, of course. You do. Um, I don't want listeners to think I'm sort of a hard ass, but I was expecting to completely lose the plot, and I didn't. Now, I did something that um some people might find somewhat macabre. Mm-hmm. And if the listeners on Facebook are interested, there's a photograph of me standing next to the coffin. Um, have you seen that photo? I have. And I, I have to confess, that was the moment, because I've been pretty good keeping all the emotional stuff in, and I thought, that's that's pretty stressful. Uh, Look, I, I wanted that photograph taken. The primary reason uh-huh. was that I... I never ever get. I I rarely look that good, <laughs> in terms of. I mean, I was dressed nicely, uh, because in, in case the listeners don't know, yeah, I generally wear shorts and thongs all year round. Is you that a fact? Unless we're doing live shows, at which point I have literally had to force your head to stay in place so that I can put hair product in and get a, mm. get you in a blazer. But well, now, perhaps you- we don't mention hair product because that's that's really personal. Is it? And I, and I don't. I'm not keen on it, as you know. So let's I think just. You're a tremendous coward. In fact, here's a fun fact. On my wedding day in Paris, I said to you, "Look, Dad. All jokes aside, would you like to know what your wedding present for me is?" And you said, "Yeah, sure." And I said, "I want you to let me do your hair." And even, even when it was my wedding present, you cracked the shits. There's a there's a six photographs like um, spread basically of you reacting. Hmm. First with anger, then with amusement as I do your hair. But but now, seeing you next to your dad's casket... Sorry, was it a casket or a coffin? We've been through the distinction. Call it what you like. Okay. Just a coffin. Coffin's okay. fine. I but think the photo- casket's a bit more modern, bit, perhaps a little bit more. Well, one, is, one, has the, one has the lid that comes oh, over yeah, we, halfway we've been through viewings. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Look, yeah. Just let's, let's go with coffin. So, I, I thought I just wanted... It, um, and I sent that photograph of me and again i reiterate if if people are interested i can get it um posted on facebook mm-hmm. the thing is paul that i actually sent that photograph to to you your sister and your brother yes because i thought it was you were, you couldn't get here uh, Anne's in switzerland 
Mark's in Thailand, you, you and Tegan are in Melbourne, and I just thought it was my way of kind of letting you know that I was okay. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was a nice thing to do. And I, and I will concede that it was a little bit bizarre. No, it's but okay. I, but I sent that photograph to a friend of mine. Yeah. And he's a very he's got a very, very strong science background. Uh-huh. And I sent this photograph of me expecting him to write back and say something like, wow, pretty sorry, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. He sent me an article on genome something or other. He sent me a, so, a scientific article. About and the was, did about nothing to do with anything to do with the funeral. So he wasn't saying he wasn't saying your your late father was experimenting with genomes and he wasn't. He, it was just a complete okay. No, and then uh, I kind of sent him another message because hmm. I didn't quite believe his reaction, and he uh, sent me another article on Teslas, <laughs> and I seriously thought I'm not going to use his name. Yeah. But he's affectionately known as Professor McCoy. Okay. Does that tell you who it is? No, it doesn't. I'll tell you after. Look, off, look, off, I guess off, off record. And I just thought that was really weird. But Christine, sweet Christine, said, "Well, maybe that's how he, he processes this. He, he, he processes it, or some people would say he processes that. That I mean, may be wrong. I'm, I'm in the I, latter. And um, and I thought that was odd. Christine, who took the photograph, um, confided in me later on that she she thought it was odd. Getting me to take a photograph. Sorry, getting her to take a photo of me. I didn't see anything odd about it at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a nice photo. Okay, so <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Uh, my father, yeah. Henricus Arnoldus Verhoeven, he wrote a book. And you've seen the book, haven't you? Yes. And it's an unusual cover in that it's got a picture of him as a 12-year-old uh, sort of superimposed on about 200... Um, Nazis. Nazis in marching. And it's called something like March to Freedom or something. Mm. So that went on the coffin, uh, a, a big photo of him on the coffin. Everyone comes in. I'm sitting next to my mum. Mum, was she, she seemed to be in a little bit of shock. And I and you never really know how people are going to react. Yeah. And I was feeling, I was focusing on things to sort of divert my, because I felt that I didn't really want to lose it. Um, Did you feel that kind of? Impulse coming on? No. Okay. I didn't get it. And then, and here's something that I haven't told you, and oh. certainly the, the listeners don't know this, but at the head of my father's coffin, yeah. on the altar, mm. was a large, quite magnificent floral arrangement. This is mm -hmm. separate to the one on top of the coffin. Yeah. And I was staring the arrangement, because I was trying to focus on things to help me get through the whole thing. Of course. And then I'm watching and I'm looking at this beautiful big flower and one of the big petals fell off. And I thought that was quite surreal. It's actually... I mean, can you imagine getting some flowers and just staring at them until one fell off, one oh, petal fell off? It'd take, I, I, it could take a long time. I understand. I understand. So yeah. I thought that was symbolic. Mm. And it helped me. Um, look, you you don't want to sort of... Um, I mean, some of my friends said, oh, are you going to wear black glasses, sunglasses? I don't wear black sunglasses. I don't own black sunglasses. And when you see these sort of gangster funerals... Um, oh, yeah. It, I, it just makes me gag. 
What do you mean? Um, well, I think it's ridiculous for a bunch of big grown men to be all embarrassed about oh, crying. Oh, I'm sorry. I did. Okay, so what you're saying is that the glasses are a way for men to hide their That's emotions right. as they spill out, right? That's all. Yeah, okay, because I just think wraparound sunglasses look shit house. But what you're saying is actually it's a it's a it's like a shield between. I mean, who gives a shit if no, first of look, all you're facing I, the front, right? Yeah. Look, I here's another thing that I haven't told you and the listeners. Okay. Um, and I had a really wonderful conversation with a very very dear friend of mine, Stephen Lewis, whose mm. father passed away in Bangkok, and that story, my friends, is a cracker. But I want to get all the facts before I relay that story because that is quite, quite bizarre. Okay. The story of his dad's death. But I had a conversation with Stephen after the funeral and I'm kind of bearing my heart a little bit here, but I was in the kitchen on Thursday. Yeah. That's the day before the funeral. Yeah. I was by myself. It was about four in the Arvo yeah. and I, I broke down. I started, I really cried. But it only lasted for around about seven or eight seconds. But it wasn't... And then I started to analyze what had just happened. But it wasn't a 100% effort in terms of complete losing it. And I almost started to feel as though I was slightly forcing it. That I really needed to... So if I had to describe it in terms of if a hundred percent is sort of completely losing it and crying and bawling, yeah, yeah, then I'd rate this at around about it wouldn't have got to fifty five, sixty percent, and I thought that was really weird. I almost felt I had to cry, like it was a was, box you had to tick or something. Yeah, and I was like, and I was almost forcing it, and then I told, I re- relayed this story which I've just told you and the listeners, yeah. to my friend Stephen on Saturday morning and he looked at me and he said he felt exactly the same thing, which is – and I had never – I mean, for me, you either cry or you don't cry. Yeah. And I was expecting this flood of emotion to just pour and it, and it, and it didn't happen, it hasn't happened. My gut feeling is that it probably won't happen. Jesus. Um, anyway, look, the mass went for about an hour. Yeah. There were some really, really wonderful um, – readings and then what happens my mother started to get really really teary and she was almost trembling but i think it was more because one of the songs was really sad okay and i put my arm around her and so we're at the very front and she's at the front uh, on the left hand side but on the closest to the aisle Mm. so then at the end when they get the thurible you know what a thurible is that's where they burn the beautiful incense frankincense uh-huh. And they go around and they, they the priest comes down. There were, there were two priests and they splash holy water over the casket. Uh-huh. And then, because I've been in the business, I know exactly what happens. They then lead as like a procession. And that's kind of a bit weird because there were, there were at least 100 people in the church. That was the maximum number of people allowed for the service. Wow. wow. Due oh, because, to the of COVID, COVID-19. Sorry, because of COVID, yeah. yeah yep. yep. And um, then my poor mum looked at me and she sort of, had this sort of stare, this sort of sort of look as though, what do I do? And I was able to then um, hold on to her and I walked next to her, maybe a little bit behind her with yeah. my arms on her shoulders. Yeah. And I, the one thing that I didn't want to do was look to the left or right at any of the faces of the people we were walking because you're basically walking the gauntlet. So I kept my head down. I focused on my mother 
We get out the front. They then wheel the coffin around. The, co- the hearse is open. And then the people start to come out behind us. And then everyone gathers around. And then they put the coffin into the back of the hearse. Yep. The, the back door is still wide open. The priest comes um, and then he gives the holy water, which is sort of in a, a like a, a vessel with a like a shaker thing. And he, then he gave that to mum. And mum then got to put holy water on, which is a Catholic tradition, yeah. on the casket cover. And I was standing there and weirdly... I started taking a few photos. Sorry, during, during? During that process, yep. So I kind of made, made my way because, you know, you've got glass all around the back of the hearse so you can see through and see all the, the action, so to speak. So I sort of stood well back and I just took some photographs. I wanted to get some photographs of my mother at that, at that last point. And then uh, they closed the door and the hearse moves out now in my family whenever i don't know whether you remember this paul but whenever we'd visit my parents Mm -hmm. probably from the age of or from when i could drive yeah so let's say from when i was 18 to now whenever we'd say goodbye when and you were you kids were little or not even so little do you recall that every every time we visited the grandparents my mum and dad we'd then They'd always come out the front to say goodbye. Do you remember that? I do, yes. Always. And they would stand and I'd look in the rear vision mirror and it's a family tradition where we'd wave until they were out of sight. Mm-hmm. Now, mum and dad lived in Beacon Hill and it was a fairly, it was probably about a quarter of a kilometre. So I would have always have my right arm out the window waving until I couldn't see them in the rear vision mirror. Right. So my, my sisters, Diane and Kathy, and my mum... They stood out on the road and they waved goodbye to the hearse until it was out of sight, uh. which is kind of a nice thing. And then the lovely priest, who was such a sweet guy, one of two priests, but he was the, the con celebrating the head, the head guy. Mm. He came up to Christine and myself and he said to me, oh, did you know the deceased? <laughs> Somewhat. I looked at him and I said, well, actually, yes, I'm, I'm the eldest son. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So he felt pretty awkward. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, and then at funerals, invariably, you have people that you don't know. You've never seen before. Yeah. You don't even know whether you don't even know whether they were at the funeral. They could be just someone walking past and they come up to you and they start talking. Yeah, that's that's weird. We didn't have a wake. We weren't allowed to have a wake because of uh, we tried many venues to 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 have a wake. Yeah. And uh, they were all shut down. But can I tell a little anecdote about my father? Of course, please do. Okay. I mean, if if I had to describe my dad in a story succinctly for the listeners, so my father was highly educated. He was he he was, I mean, if you wanted um, a master's or PhD thesis proofread, my father used to do it. Okay, just for fun. He's he he learnt the English language as your great grandfather, Professor Frank Letters, said. English is the easiest language in the world to speak and the most difficult to speak well. Right. That's what he said. And there are so many subtle nuances in the English language, which might I say, without getting up on my soapbox, we are losing. Oh, God, don't start me on that. But um, so when I was 17, nearly 18, my parents had a uh, Holden station wagon. Yep. And it was a manual, three on the tree, they used to call it, uh, just three gears on the column, and you needed muscles in your shit to press the clutch in. Let's put it that way. And you needed muscles in your shit? Yeah. It's, it's an that, old, did you, did you, it's an is expression. That a, is it a real thing you just said? Yeah. It's an expression. Surely I'm not the only person. Have you ever heard it? Have I ever heard that expression? Yeah. <laughs> you need muscles in your shit to do X. Yeah. That's really upsetting. Cool. So... I passed my driving test um, on the very first day yep. that you could, 16 and 9 months. Uh-huh. And I don't know whether the listeners recall, but a few hours later, I lost my license. I got pulled over by a Dutch guy, highway patrol. Um, so that was fairly traumatic. But I kept on to the station wagon, and probably about 6 to 8 months later, uh, that Holden station wagon that my parents had sold me for um, probably market value. You thought I was going to say really cheaply. No. Nah. And um, I think I paid $1,100 for it at the time. Uh-huh. And then and um, I was in a butcher shop down at Ringham Mall Shopping Centre. Yep. And I knew the car had been stolen. And I heard these crimmy types in the butcher shop talking about how they were stealing bits off it. And even though it was insured and the car technically didn't belong to me anymore, it belonged to the insurance company, Uh I thought, shit, that's the family car. I've got to get down there. Now, my mum and dad were overseas at the time. I got a can of black paint. I dangerously and and really scarily got to the bottom of this cliff and I wrote on the 
top of the car, because you could see it from the top of the cliff on the mm-hmm. roof, I wrote, this car is under police surveillance, and that made me feel good. I was shitting myself about what my parents would say, mainly my dad. And when my dad came back with mum from overseas, all the local newspapers were piled up, and my dad, who was in the top three letter writers in Australia, fact, mm. uh, as per the ABC, I was so nervous, and, I, and, and he never, ever said anything about and I didn't say anything about the car. And then one day he just looked at me and he said, John, he said, um, he said, uh, you spelt surveillance incorrectly. That is the only thing he ever said to me about that. And that kind of summed up my dad. Interesting. Hmm. That's I think it's a great story. Yeah. Do you, um, how are you feeling right now? I mean, it's been a few days. Um, I feel pretty good. And while we're on the subject of death, um, uh, a friend of mine that I have coffee with every morning, he texted me. So bear in mind, listeners, I've just been to my father's funeral. uh, And then on Saturday, he texted me to say that a firefighter on the northern beaches um, took his life. Took his own life, you mean? Yeah, he jumped off a cliff. Yeah. So that's the seventh firefighter that I know that's done that. Uh, Northern Beaches firefighter. And uh, so, yeah, that was pretty... I thought that was a bit of a downer, my mate telling me that. but That does kind of bring me to something which I'm very, very curious about your thoughts on. And that is, what do you talk about to someone when they've just experienced that kind of loss? Because what you're, what you're presenting to me and the listeners is an array of odd reactions or, because I'm assuming people just don't quite know what to say. And that's totally understandable. In your experience, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, but what would you say if, what would you say to someone if, if they'd lost somebody? Well, <clears throat> I have coffee with friends every morning Yeah, um, over in Manly, and just there are three or four friends, and every single one of them deals with my situation utterly differently. Okay, It's incredible. One guy... He, he just, he doesn't even, I mean, I sat down with my friends this morning and, you know, one guy didn't even discuss it at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, the guy that I run with, the lovely Danish guy, mm. he had actually suggested that on the Friday I actually crack the coffin open and give my dad a cigar, to which I said my dad doesn't didn't smoke. smoke, yeah. Um, and he thought that was funny. One of my friends sent me scientific articles uh, and my other friend told me about a firefighter that took his own life. Right. Now, that's four different reactions, I think you'll agree. Yeah, absolutely. But if you were to say to me, Dad, how would you, um, how would you react? Um, I would react, uh, well, I certainly wouldn't talk about myself, which is unusual, as everyone knows. <laughs> Although it might end up me talking about myself. I can't yeah, help it. Yeah, it might still go I actually there. can't help it. Mm. But um, but it de- depends on the type of death, Paul. What if it's a young couple that have just experienced a cot death? Oh, I see. What the fuck do you say to them? Yeah. What happens if it's someone's brother or sister and they're in their 20s? Anne Wilson called me about an hour ago to, mm. to just find out. She's been incredible. And she said, look, was your mum happy? Did she like what we did? Are there any... Were there any dramas? And I just said, Anne, it was it was faultless to a T. That's great. You know, talk about aftercare. 
just amazing. There's a little phrase that they use in the funeral industry. When Anne uh, and and her staff picked my father up from the nursing home, yeah, she texted me and she said this, your father is in our care. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Just keeping me informed all the way along. And I'm happy that I could be, I won't say be in charge of this whole process, but I'm really happy that I managed to be able to look after um, the entire affair and take away the burden from my siblings and my mum. Mm. And I'm really, really happy. And that was my, that was my um, contribution to the family. Sure. And, um, and I'd gladly do it again because, um, and that's why I think it's important with, with the listeners, even though you might, like, might not like to think about it, I think it's really important, if possible, if there are a number of siblings, to at least discuss who is going to be nominated yep. to, to, uh, to handle and, and, and have lots and lots of information put away somewhere, basic stuff like names of parents, parents, um, dates of birth. There are so many things that they'll ask you at the funeral uh, home. And if you're, um, you know, if you're in no fit state, particularly if it's a, a death that has occurred unexpectedly, mm. you know, we, we had a, a, a very, very um, long lead up to, to my dad. Yeah, time to process it, basically. Yeah, and also yeah. there are lots of family and friends in life that um, want that don't necessarily want to go and visit the uh, the relative, the mum, the dad, the brother, the sister. Some yeah. family members just can't do it. Gotcha. Because my sister couldn't do it, and and don't ever judge them, ever. Do not yeah. ever say to that that person or those people, you know, damn you, why didn't you, blah blah blah. It's not cool because we all process and handle grief in different ways. And some people, mm. in a big cliched type of way, would actually like to remember the person the way they last saw them. And if they last saw them um, radiant, coherent, mm-hmm. um, then that's wonderful. My brother sent me a video. Um, I didn't see my dad for probably 48 hours. And he was going downhill. He was pretty bad. Okay. But my brother took a video that was completely depressing and it was really upsetting. Um, and Christine looked at it and said, get rid of that video straight away. Get rid of it, which I did because it was really bad. That's interesting. And, um, and then I wrote to my brother and said, mate, not cool. Right. Get rid of it. You don't want to dwell on these things. Because if that's... And unfortunately... Because I looked at that video that only went for, I didn't watch the whole thing, mm. but it was basically watching someone pretty well on the verge of actually dying. And it was so terrible. And unfortunately, that's my last vision of my dad. Because I've been there. Can I what? I was going to say, can you not just like crank your brain back? To, yeah. Look, I'm yeah. pretty, you know, I have managed to do that pretty well. Yeah. Because I'd seen him two days before and he looked, um, in fact, I took a photograph of him then and he looked great, relatively speaking. He looked calm and just, you know, not in pain yeah. and, and looked nice. Yeah. But then, I mean, you know, like, but people do think, people do stuff and that's how they, 
you know, there might be listeners out there that go, you know, what were you thinking having a photograph of you standing next to the... But I, as I said to you, I did basically do that for you, for your kids. Yeah. Um, and at the time I thought it was, um, you know, seemed like a pretty good idea. Of course. I think that's about all the time we have for this episode. Um, I, I, I have to ask just one more time. Are you, you're okay? You're doing okay? Yeah, yeah. Shit, yeah. I'm really... I'm, I'm bloody excellent. Can we just give a big, big, big thank you to our listeners around the world, like sending dad and sending us uh, all kinds of best wishes and condolences and sharing their stories. And it's bizarre how how much comfort people are kind of getting from this shared know, experience. Amazing. Really Paul, grateful. we have got so much material I know. for future pod. It's staggering. And some sweet person wrote, today uh, I'll be thinking you of... Thinking of you at 11 a.m. That's very I didn't nice. have the heart to write back saying that was last Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay, I just so, let that one slide. Some, something something worth saying is that we have you know listeners all around the world. Um, we've also I was going to give a shout out, Dad. We've got a, a lot, a surprising amount of listeners in France and Japan of all places. Fantastic! So, Look, I big, love I love the listeners and and listen, Paul. Yeah. Um, I believe that you because I saw this weird sped up film of you signing books on the weekend oh yeah yeah we did a time lapse of the signing of um, that was mate that's pretty brilliant. great and well, what's funny we... is, is we've got so the, that's electric blue that's the sequel to loose units and booktopia said could you could you sign a few copies and we'll sell the signed copies on the website and i said sure 21 fucking boxes rock up like it was like that scene in the santa claus where all the christmas uh, wishes all the all the all the Christmas lists from the children start rocking up, the naughty or nice lists. It's a very specific reference, Dad. But the point is, there was literally a courier came up looking angry. He was like, is yours, which unit's yours? And then he pulls the truck up and for 20 minutes, he was just hauling I feel really boxes. sorry for that guy. That's a real shit job. You should have organized a pulley system, Paul. Well, I should have organized like to give him a copy of the book, but I can't. So basically what I've done is I've signed 500 copies and here's something cool, Dad. Some of them have drawings in them. So oh, wow. I've, I've done some illustrations in Electric Blue. Part of it is illustrated by me. And that's something I've wanted to do since I was a kid was illustrate a book. And what I did was I thought, okay, so every like probably 75 copies, I'd sit there and do a little drawing in the corner. And sometimes I, basically every single copy has got something different in it. Some of them have got little, you know, kind of spoilers for the book. Some of them have got little secret Easter eggs. Some of them have got best wishes. It's just, it's, so effectively, if you haven't already got your copy, I really, we would just really appreciate you hopping across to Booktopia. There's a link on our Facebook page, by the way. So if you go to that link and you pre-order the book, that's cool. Also, here's a fun fact. Dad and I uh, recorded kind of this special thing for the end of the audiobook of the Electric Blue audiobook. And I believe you can pre-order that right now as well. So yeah, but dad, the time lapse. But the funny thing is, 500 books takes a long time. It took me about nine or 10 hours Phenomenal. of signing. Yeah, Maybe. so I'm, my wrist hurts. Paul, um, we all know Little Britain. We do. We do. And uh, the wonderful smaller guy, can you say smaller or the the shorter of the two, because one, David Williams, who's a very, very good ocean swimmer, might I add. Mm. He's done the English Channel. I mean, Williams, that's a funny name, isn't it? I think it's Williams. And, well, whatever, but <laughs> whatever. But the thing is, <laughs> I've often said Williams and people go, what? You mean Williams? And I go, no, it's Williams or Williams, something, which has got nothing to do with what I'm about to say. Because the 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 other guy... Yeah. Matt Lucas. Matt Lucas. And my, I think I saw something a few days ago, Paul. Did I see that he has actually done the 
cover. Fucking cover quote. Yeah. How on earth did you do that? Well, he's a fan of the first book and he's a mate. And he basically, <sighs> I said, can I send you a copy of Electric Blue? And he said, yes. And he goes, all right, Paul. And sent me a few different quotes. And he's like, pick one. What, what one do you like the most? And Does so he I speak one, like that, Paul? Uh, no, it's like this. I don't I think. think he does. A little bit. Matt, if you're listening... Uh, I'm sorry about that impression. It was mediocre at best. Unlike you, you're spectacular. Anyway, the cover quote's really, really good. I'm actually going to pick up a copy of the book right now and read the cover quote to you. Here we go. I'm holding the book in my hand. By the way, this book is, I think, twice as long as the last one. It's really big. Okay. That's what she said. Twice as long and twice as big, did you say? Yes. Are you talking about the book? It's so big, it has a spine. Here we go. Here's Matt Lucas's quote. Thrilling. Hilarious. There was a third thing, but I forgot what it was. Matt Lucas, Little Britain. It's beautiful. Thank you, Matt. It's it's really sweet. And obviously, um, Matt doesn't know this, but um, I thanked Matt in the acknowledgements for his oh, beauty God. and grace. Um, it's a really big, really ambitious book. It's the culmination of such a big thing. And here's the thing, listeners. COVID is the kind of kick in the guts that we're all going through. But because of COVID... COVID's going to, because I'm in Victoria, I'm not going to get outdoors until the day after the book comes out, which means I won't be able to do all the cool, fun launch stuff. So we are basically, you know, in order to make this big, we need as many pre-orders as possible. We just buy it for people, buy it for gifts, buy it for just buy copies just to put around the house because it's a very beautiful object. But honestly, we are actually, Dad, I don't know if you knew this, but we're actually charting. So we are one of the top pre-ordered books on Booktopia right now. Fantastic. So, and that's because of listeners. So, so exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. We've, we, it comes out on August 18. We are just under a month until Electric Blue comes out. Fantastic. But you know what, Paul? I can't wait to see you and Tegan <sighs> like we have can't see each other. I know, it's long. And I'd really, really like to get back on the road. We really want to be doing live shows. And do a tour of every town in Australia which has got less than 10 people. Sure, just a little intimate kind of, you know, um, thousands of little tours. Like little, just, yeah. Just just drive through, shout something, and we're on our way. In in the back of a little bus. Yeah, like that car from the end of the Blues Brothers, just driving down the road, you and me with oh, a megaphone, and then just... off a uh, and then drive off a cliff. Yeah, we'll just chase some Illinois Nazis off a bridge. Love it. Uh, another thing we really want to do, um, we'd like to hear from New Zealand listeners because when and if we can get to New Zealand, God bless your beautiful country, absolutely killing it right now. We want to go to New Zealand. We want to do a live New Zealand show. We want to get across to Japan the second we can. We want to get to France. We want to do more Australian Paul, shows. Paul, yeah, yeah. If we go to New Zealand, would it be the North or the South Island? Ah. Uh... Or should we just get sort of some big platform built in the middle and people come out from both north and south by boat? Right. Maybe we can circle do it. Hob- us. Let's, do, let's go to Hobbiton. Let's go to Peter Jackson's Hobbit, Hobbit houses and do it in there, you know? But you described The Hobbit as a mediocre film. Yeah, but it was built on a A-grade set. Anyway, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units Dead Serious. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Dad, for being wonderful. And it's just so great to chat every week. Obviously, we're going to keep doing Loose Ends as well. If you haven't heard Loose Ends yet, what are you doing with your life? Paul, you know what? For me to talk to you is it's fucking great. It's the best. I love it. It's the best. Love your work. I love you too, Dad. Love Tegan. Yep. Very fond of her mum and dad. They're great. We can't get out there. They, they live in they live in Gippsland, and we can't get to their place. Where's Gippsland? Gippsland is like Gippsland. Uh, I mean, Gips, the land who? of Gips. Mm. If you if you went to yeah, if you, 
if you drove for three and a half hours from where and you're in, and you're in Europe, you'd end up in you'd cross five or six countries. That's got nothing to do with Gippsland. Let me, let me let me finish. In Australia, you drive for three and a half hours through basically nothing. You end up in a small town called Mafra, which is where Tegan's parents are based. Paul, you Love. just said basically nothing, but you know that nothing is something. That's a, that's a pretty strong note to finish on. Mm. Everyone, please be kind to each other and keep sending in lots of love and we're going to keep giving it back and we will see you later this week for more Loose Units. Can't wait. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.